Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm, and welcome to a special episode of Collisions YYC Current and Critical, a focus episode where I sit down with local leaders to discuss the topics of the day. Well, I'm sitting here on the show this morning with Mr. Rick Filopovich, and hopefully, I got hopefully I got the, I got that right. Rick's the president and CEO at Vertex Downhole, a company that at Clear Motive we've having the privilege to work with. And Rick and I have been talking about innovation in Calgary, Alberta, but more importantly in the oil and gas space. So, Rick, how are you doing this morning? Excellent. And yourself, Tyler? I am really good. It's beautiful and sunny for now in this roller coaster weather we've been having on. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to stop saying that every every time I do this podcast, looking out the window of my house, and one minute it's sunny, next minute it looks like a tornado. It's been uh, it's been an interesting weather roller coaster we've been having this year so far. That's Calgary. Yes, it is. It seems exceptionally more so, but I think I say that every year. So it's just starting to be cliche. So, Rick, you're a president CEO at Vertex Downhole. So maybe let's just start, give the audience a little bit of you behind the scenes. What's Vertex all about and uh, kind of your role in the organization? So we're a, we're a uh, tool manufacturer. We're a technology company that manufactures uh, a tool called measuring, measurement while drilling. So uh, it's a tool string that, that resides in, in the drill string when you're, when you're drilling for, for oil and, and, and gas. Um, it resides down near the drill bit and, and relays information from that drilling environment back to the surface. There's a number of sensors that, that, that are in part of the tool string, and they basically are, collect all that data that's, that's down there and try to give the driller a representation of what's happening down hole. So what makes us special is we transmit that data eight times faster than the industry standard. So to give you an idea, the transfer rate, the industry standard transfer rate of data is about half a bit per second. Okay. Uh, when you turn on your phone and you look up, look at something on Instagram or, or Facebook and you see a picture, that picture is uh, like a megabyte of data that you're getting in a fraction of a second. We're talking yeah. about half a bit of data. So one two millionth of that is okay. what you're getting per second uh, to the surface. And the whole so, goal of this, if I'm going to oversimplify, you got a guy in the surface who's essentially driving this thing, and he's either got a significant gap between the, where the where the bit is headed and what information he has, versus shortening that gap, allowing him to be more accurate with the process. That's correct. So, so the, to, to really, really oversimplify, a bunch of, a bunch of yeah. drilling guys just shuddered now when I did that. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so, so the industry standard is basically like driving down the Deerfoot with a blindfold on, and you see a picture of what happened two minutes ago. The data that you're getting is two minutes old. And you're and trying for to. Anyone, make, who's, anyone who's driven on Deerfoot, that actually is not, a, not an inaccurate <laughs> experience. <laughs> so it's, it's trying to make real time decisions with, uh, with old data. And every mistake can cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we bring that data, we bring more data uh, to the surface faster. So the latency of our data is about 15 seconds. So Okay, versus so a 15 second blindfold, which is significant proven over a two minute blindfold. That's right. That's right. I'm curious, do you guys classify yourself? Obviously, you work in the oil and gas space. Are you guys, when you guys think of yourself as a business, do you think of yourself, yeah, we're an oil and gas service company? Or do you think, no, we're a technology company who works in the oil and gas sector? Just curious kind of how you guys think about it in, as we're going to start talking about innovation in this sector. The latter, definitely the latter. So, so if we, so there are a number of competitors that we have that own and operate the equipment. So they, they manufacture the tools, but then they run their own tools. They have guys that go out and, and provide the service. Uh, okay. We know that we manufacture the tools. We have a, a small rental fleet that supports our our sales effort and um, like to try to drive sales, but we don't actually uh, run the tools out of the market. So I think that would be an essential part to, cl- to clarify classification of, of being a service company. But uh, on a, on a higher level, we do belong in that in that macro space. So that okay. uh, oil and gas service company. 
But as we, you know, the, the kind of the theme for me on today's conversation is around, you know, innovation in Calgary, more importantly, in the oil and gas sector. So understanding you guys, your role as a technology first company that then services the oil and gas sector, to me, it, it kind of levels the playing field a little bit because they're so often like, oh, well, you guys are in oil and gas. So, you know, we maybe can't relate. You and I talked about this offline is that cross pollination. But if you think of yourself as a technology innovator, all of a sudden, you know, the, the ability to collaborate or get information from other places to me feels a little bit more like the, like it, the playing field levels out a bit versus going, no, that's oil and gas. That's over there. We're not going to, we're not going to focus on that or understand or learn from what's going on over there. Right. Well, I mean, if you look, you look at a high level of what we do. So our tool basically enables uh, more accurate uh, directional drilling in the earth. So this is an environment that, that's unknown, unknown to us. I mean, we, we take core samples so that we can see what's down there and try to estimate where the reservoirs of oil and gas are or water or like this technology is also used in river crossings and, and all kinds of different applications. Yeah. Um, so the point is the data that we're, we're transmitting to the surface is, is basically providing a roadmap of, of where to go and to, you know, to get to where you're steering more accurately. Because right now with... We, we talked previously about that latency of data. It's not really, we're trying to make a, a smooth profile as you drill to to get to your end destination where mm-hmm. you've mapped out, but that's not really what's happening. It's kind of a zigzag because we're constantly correcting uh, the the steering of the tool to get to where okay. we want, right? So the, the better that we can get, the better... The better the, the data that we get to the surface, the better that that telemetry is, or that uh, that transition is going to be. So we can get there more accurately, avoid obstacles, avoid making a mess. If you're if you're you know trans- Boy, which ha- which has positive financial, environmental, yeah, exactly. So cascading positive impact. So you've been with the company for how long is uh, how long has Vertex been been around? Uh, since 2011. So they went through a number of different changes, but uh, this group has been together since 2011. Okay, and I've been with the company about a year and a half. Okay, so from being located, you're you're in you're in Calgary. Obviously, the industry has been a bit of a roller coaster. We won't spend too much talking. I'm, we all know what the industry has been going through in the last five years. But as an innovation based company, and specifically in technology driven, have you guys been able to like? Has the market been supportive? Have government programs, local, municipal? Has there been a, you know, how has it been uh, for yourselves with? you know, having the support you need? Have you guys been going it alone or has it, has it been more of a joint effort with some of the things that are out there to help support innovation? There, so we have uh, reached out to to some groups in Calgary uh, on the innovation front. So we've been working with TechTerra, um, putting in an application with the with the IROC program. Um, okay. we, we have shred credits as well. So, so because we're kind of on the cutting edge of of this technology, there's lots of research and development that's that's required to to move forward and develop not just uh, like but uh, better technologies, advancements in the technologies. There's, I mean, to be to be frank, oil and gas uh, drilling has, hasn't changed much in a hundred years. Um, so, so I think the last twenty years have seen uh, a, an incredible amount of innovation in this space that's brought about. Uh, a number of different innovations to increase increase efficiency. I mean, we used to go on site. Uh, let's say the, the drilling area was maybe a square kilometer, and we'd drill 40, 50 holes, and we'd be there for a year. Yes, right, ca- causing a huge environmental impact. And now that you might go to that same space and drill four or five holes that that go down and then horizontally across through mm-hmm. a zone, and you can be off site. You know, in in several months, 
So all of those developments are helping us not just not just get that that monetary reward, like get get get, get to the reserves faster. It, it it reduces the environmental impact. So you've got 10, 20 guys out on site uh, living there for for a year. I mean, you can imagine the, the environmental impact. Yes. Yeah, um, so, so as we as we can be more efficient and and reduce that impact, it has it has a huge effect on on you know what we're doing, a positive effect on what we're doing out there in in the course of our business and and reducing the impact to the environment. You said you made the comment about the last 20 years, and I know this is something that comes up that can be controversial in terms of the view of the general population on the oil and gas industry. But then you hear a lot of people, I talked to a lot of people in the industry, they're like, yeah, but in Canada, we are doing things at a standard that is just higher, better, different, more focused on the environment, more inclusive than other parts of the world. So I know that you guys deal, like your customer base just isn't in Western Canada. You guys deal on a global footprint. So when you're out there talking to, you know, where's Canada sit in that? And I'm kind of, maybe that's a broad, I'll put you on the spot as the expert to answer this one. But when you look at the way that we do things in Western Canada versus some of the other countries you deal with around the world, are we ahead? Are we in pace? Are they catching up? Are we seen as innovative? What's that, what's that perspective out there from what you see? I think uh, everything that we do in Canada is a little bit better than, than anyone else. <laughs> nice, I good mean, answer. Our, <laughs> And you know, environmental stewardship and, and everything that we do here is just is just on a, on a higher level. And and when you look at the industry, not just oil and gas, but in other industries as well, all the leaders are from Canada. The guys that are making a difference, that are that are really uh, making advancements in their fields in the technology, they're all Canadians. Doesn't matter where you go. If you go to anywhere down in Latin America or out in in, in Saudi or in the Middle East, when you get to the guy who's in charge of the program. Or, or their specialist, you know, their their consultant. They're all Canadian. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we're we're leaders uh, on all fronts, and I think a lot of that innovation comes from Canada and Canadians. And and when just when you go out, when you when you, when you see those funny posts that are that are on LinkedIn or, or Facebook, and they sh- and they show, you know, the protesters that are protesting the pipeline. Then they show the pipeline, and it's all green and pristine, and, and you just see this, you know, this pipe. Yes. Everything looks great, and then you see the mess that the protesters have left. Have left, and it looks like like total carnage and devastation. Yes, it, it looks like that. Someone had a rock concert and then just walked and left. Left and the scene. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, I, think, I mean, I mean, uh, that's 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 typical of, of everything. Like even even in forestry, we'll like we'll go out and they'll they yes they'll they'll cut down the forest, but then they'll replant and they'll try to restore as much as they can because that's the rege- regeneration of the next generation of. Uh, of energy, right? Mm-hmm. On both sides. Yeah. Broad, broader question is that again? I'm a, I'm a branding, a marketing guy, so you know it always comes back to who's telling you know who's telling your story for you. Is it you? As I guess you know when you talk about you know, I talk, I have a lot of guests on. I have a lot of friends working in the oil and gas sector, and I constantly hear that story of like, yeah, no, but 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 look at what we're actually doing. But it seems like those distractors lately have just got their voice has gotten more traction. And, you know, from your perspective, is that, is that the industry's job? Like whose job is it out there to tell that story? Cause like listening to you talk and listening to guys in Calgary, or gals, there's a level of frustration, like shit, like we're doing good work here, but we're just getting tranched on all the time from a media or from a, you know, environmental perspective, you know, again, we're going way off in left field here, but what are your thoughts on even that? Like who's, who's got to get out there and start retelling that narrative? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's up to us, you know. This is actually something that I wanted to talk about today, and and um, I, I was at uh, a CEO ADC luncheon a few years back, and um, it was the one where our now 
Premier Kenny was was speaking at. He was the guest speaker. But in the introduction, uh, the president at the time, I forget his name, he came out. They were just rolling out their um, their support oil and gas uh, initiative. And he came out and he said, guys, you know, we all get pissed off about, you know, getting a bad rap and, and all of this negative publicity against uh, energy and oil and gas and pipelines and, and everything else. Uh, but really, the, the onus is on us to educate. I mean, we do do great things in this industry. There's great innovations that that can be cross-pollinated against uh, like in, in other industries to make advancements everywhere. Uh, but we just sit here and we're mad and we're mad at, at, at our federal government and we're mad at everyone in the East and we're mad at everyone in the West. And we're not <laughs> so, so what this fella said was, imagine yourself at a party and there's a guy who's kind of uh, loud and boisterous and he's telling a story, he's talking about something that a lot of the people at the party don't really have a lot of information on. And it's just human nature when you hear someone who's confident and talking kind of in this manner that you you assume what he's saying is true. Yep. Right? And we're seeing the same thing on social media. There's all kinds of crap out there that's unfounded. And someone just wrote their opinion and people are now repeating that as if it's the truth. Yeah. yeah. The onus is on us. If, if, if you're hearing something that's that's untrue, then then call them out. And if you yeah. have information about how great the things are that we're doing, talk about it. You be the one at the party talking about all the great things because of the 10 people that are hearing you, uh, five of them are going to go to a party next week and they're going to say the same thing because they heard this guy talking and they heard this great story and they're going to repeat the story. Right. So that's how that's kind of from your perspective, that marketing thing, you know, I, <laughs> that, that marketing thing. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is about getting it out there and having it because if you don't have a voice, someone else will fill it in for you. Like you said. <laughs> so a lot of us do business in the East. We go to Toronto or, or Montreal or whatever, and you go there and they don't know anything about what we're doing. They don't know that we're pissed off. They don't know anything about about pipelines being shut down or or, or they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. They're living their own life. I mean, those are bigger uh, cities and they have their own kind of micro environments and macro uh, environments mm -hmm. and they don't really care. So it is the onus is on us to educate. It's education because you get you get these protesters out that um, that come and, and, and spew this garbage and then and then they they get people inflamed and then all of a sudden everyone's on that bandwagon when it's not yes. true. A lot of the things that they're saying is not true. But the difference is they're out there communicating. Yeah, they're they're yeah. filling they're filling in the space for sure. We're busy working and trying to survive and we're not communicating. So I think the onus is on us, not just in Canada, but the globally we need to talk about what's happening here and, and why this is important. There's so many, we've gone the wrong way on so many different um, levels of, of, of our economy. I mean, we, we, we have the third largest reserves in the world. We sell our product at half price to, <laughs> yes. and to, one, to one single customer. Someone else's product at full price. In what reality does that make sense? Anywhere. So yeah, we no we, yeah absolutely absolutely we wheat and we sell our wheat at a discount or we give it away and then we import bread. <laughs> How does that make sense? We should be serving our own needs on all fronts, and this isn't just oil and gas. This is lumber. This is this is everything else. We export raw materials, and then we purchase finished goods. And how will we ever advance as a nation when we when we put? everyone else's interests ahead of ours. 
Well, because you always end up being at the mercy of someone else, right? You're, you're, all, you're always someone else's second priority. <laughs> we support the American economy by giving them few that are our natural resources at half price. And then we buy them back at full price. Yeah. Yes, we do. So, so and, and, and that's, an undi- that's an undisputable. That's just, that's a, that's a, that's a hard truth. Why do we owe them anything? I mean, and I is mean, that, is, is that legacy? Is that just the way we've done it in the past that we can't break out of that? Like, I know there's so many layers that we're getting, we're going down the rabbit hole for sure here, but like, I'm curious, like, cause clearly that was, you know, I always do believe somewhere, somewhere there was a good intention, but if you're running out far enough and you, you blow the graph out sooner or later, you can extrapolate it into like, well, that was a good idea. Then it's not a good idea anymore. You know, is there a historical, like what kind of got us here? Any thoughts on that? I'm, now you become my expert on this question. Cause I don't know where, how we got here. Uh, I, you know what? I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, so I really don't want to go down that road. But oh, okay, black helicopters and uh, black SUVs outside of my house. <laughs> when you look at the roadblocks, when you look at the roadblocks that are that are going on, um, there is there is a foundation where you could say, you know, maybe maybe there is some deal back backdoor deal happening somewhere where, you know, yep. we're, we're we've made this deal that we're going to buy this product from this Middle East country and and we're going to just eliminate you know, all the competition locally. It, 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 it's asinine. I, 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 it, it frustrates me. No, you don't have to peel back too many layers and anyone who's listened or, or read anything from Vivian Krause and some of the work that she's done on some of the, like what's really like the demarketing campaigns. And I spent some time with Canada Action and learning about their position. And it doesn't, you don't have to peel back too many layers to find some stuff that's really like, there's some red, there, there's some red herring sitting right under the surface around this whole thing. I would, I would, I would recommend to everyone listening to this podcast. If you haven't watched the movie Over a Barrel, it's, it's 27 minutes long. I think they're charging five bucks for it. Please rent it and watch it, and just yeah, she 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 and her team did a really good job of that, actually. <laughs> and and that it's the perfect example of of um, marketing communicating, but for for the wrong purpose. Like these are people who are against us for a myriad of reasons, but they're getting out there and they're communicating to people, and that's all the people are hearing. So on mass, thirty eight million Canadians, uh, maybe thirty million of them don't know the reality. And all they hear is all of this, you know, they see these protests on TV and they hear all of this rhetoric and they thought, of course, and they think, oh, this is really bad. We should stop this. Why are we doing this when that's not the case? It's not the actual full perspective. It's the 100% opposite. Are you, uh, you didn't, you didn't grow up in Alberta, did you? You're, you're, you're a transplant here? So I'm, on, oh, I'm, you did. I'm born in Alberta, but uh, I spent all my formative years here. Okay. Cause I moved here from Montreal and I, you know, my mom and I have lots of dialogue cause she'll, she'll say like, I read this in the news today in Quebec. And she goes, but I talked to you and Fiona, my wife, who works at Oil and Gas, and she's like, you guys have a completely opposite story. When I grew up in Quebec, though, that was like, you got fed a certain line. You didn't really know anything. You knew the price of gas at the pump and kind of what you read on the news. So it's funny having like family there to get that perspective. Like it is a like completely polar opposite story that's getting told, in my experience, in the media in Eastern Canada than what's actually going on here, to your, to your point. And when you see it like in black and white, you're like, what is this is not even what is going on here? It's, it's, it's 100% true. And, and I think the way for us to move forward, to advance our industry and to advance our country um, and, and to be able to survive everything that's happening now is exactly that, to, to be proud of what we're doing and stop putting ourselves down. And the Canadians yes, totally. always played, oh, you know, the sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I, totally. <laughs> I mean, we need to stand up for ourselves. We, we, we have a lot to be uh, proud of and, um, you know, we're, we're a leader on so many different fronts. Uh, you know, in the G7, I think we're the largest growing economy. Our GDP has grown, grown uh, uh, by the highest 
uh, percentage over the last, I don't know how many years. We're, we're a growing nation. We're in, this is the best place in the world to live. It, it is hands down on so many different levels. Canada is, or sorry, Calgary is 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 number five for the for the, the one of the best places to live in the world, or the most livable places in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to be proud of, and and we need to start standing up for ourselves. You know, we don't have to be a holes and 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 and, and go off and yeah, the, yeah. in support of <laughs> yes. our own. Well, being, 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 you know, being proud, but still being humble. There's a, there's, there's different versions of it. And I think we take too much extreme the other way when you're out. Cause I know you've got, uh, with, with vertex, you guys have sales teams and you've got boots on the ground in the middle East. When you talk to, to organizations over there, or even just at the individual level, how do they, when they look back at Canada and they look at Western Canada specifically, you know, do they, do they have that same filter or do they see us more as leaders because of the fact that they're getting to work with us on like some of these advanced innovation like products, like what Vertex does? There's, especially in the Far East and the Middle East, um, they all want tools from Canada. Okay. That, that brings us to the table. Just that alone brings us to the table. And then being Canadian, being Canadian is, is, is part of the value proposition. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, from a, like getting over and getting into these markets, there's lots of companies, you know, obviously as the, as the economy is challenged here, you've got to look abroad and you've got to look outside your borders as an, as an organization. Have you guys done that? Has that been on your own initiative? Have you had any partnerships with any kind of like trade missions? Or has there been anyone you've been able to work with to help get exposure in some of these other foreign markets, like literally the other side of the world? We, a little bit. So, so our, our model is we, we do all of our, our engineering research and development and manufacturing in Canada. But we okay. don't we don't have any presence. Uh, we have very little small presence in Canada in drilling. So we have facilities in Houston and Dubai, and ninety nine point nine percent of our sales and rentals are are everywhere else. So um, we're a small company. We still haven't um, made big inroads into into Latin America. We haven't uh, made big inroads into Russia or China. So those are those are huge. Uh, developing regions as well. Uh, I mean, oil and gas development regions. Uh, we were, like I said, a young company. So we're trying to get our, our to a certain level of um, excellence in our product itself and be ready yep. To, yep. and be ready to attack those, those areas. So, so drilling particularly in, in Russia requires uh, supplemental equipment that uh, we don't have right now that we're, but we're developing and working with partners to to develop so i want to make sure that when we come to that region we have a package that's superior to what's out there in the market okay. so we only have a, a portion of that of that package right now but um what what this downturn has afforded us is is some extra time to to focus on that development so i think that um there's a huge bright future in front of us as long as um you know, we, we can return to some kind of nor- nor- normality, you know, in the near future. But but to be frank, Tyler, I mean, uh, I spoke at an investor conference last year and there were a, a lot of young people there. And it was a lot of the, the conference was focused around clean energy and the smart grid yeah. and, and things like that. And uh, and I felt a little, like a little bit of a black sheep. And, and I told them so. I said, oh, I'm going to be talking about. You know, digging for oil in the backyard, and they all kind of. <laughs> but you, you might as well go at it head on, right? right? There's no point oh, dancing around, guys, because the reality is the 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 energy portion is is only half of what oil and gas is. It, it's petroleum products are in everything in this room, like the chair that you're sitting on, the clothes that you're wearing, the telephone that you're using. So, all you brilliant minds, figure out how we're going to replace those petroleum products. 
I, I mean, we're not married to to, to oil. We're, we we create technologies to extract uh, these elements from the earth. Now, whether it's oil or something else, it doesn't matter. Like if let's say right. tomorrow we we transition and now we're we're extracting lithium instead of oil. It, who yeah, cares? That's a- like well, it, it's for the betterment of of humankind. We use it because we need it. That's it's you can only make jet fuel out of out of oil out of petroleum products yes <laughs> well you can figure out how to run a, a plane on a battery uh we're, we need oil and we're going to need yes. oil for an, and, and and by the time you guys do figure out how to replace petroleum products it's going to take 20 30 40 years well, there's the concept of, you know, we need more energy in general. So there's the energy abundance concept. We can't just park one whole source of it to replace it with something else because the global demand for energy is increasing. You know, energy abundance is a, is a different concept than like, no, we're just going to wipe this out because we're going to need less in the future. That's just not true. It's completely like false. <laughs> we'll need, we will need more energy. Now, now, like I said, the source of that energy, sure. I mean, if we can, if we can figure out a way to extract you know the sun's rays into 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 something that's 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 affordable and 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 more cost effective than everything else. Then sure, then let's move to photovoltaic, no problem. But we're not there. Well, I think you made the key point. It still has to be economically viable. Like we've got a good portion. I had, I had a guest on, I forget who, and they said, you know, when you look at so much of the world that starves for energy, it's pretty egotistical and selfish of us to say we're going to shut down a certain portion of it when there's a good portion of the world that doesn't even have close to the quality of life that we have access to here. It's pretty, it's pretty like up on our silver, on our, you know, ivory tower thinking about the world of energy abundance when a good portion of the world still lives in poverty and has no energy at all. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it's uh, you know, it's there, there's lots of different moving elements here. But uh, just to go back to that initial thought, we need to we need to stop putting everyone down and kind of following that that American politics kind of thing where you were <laughs> the you were, shit the shit on your neighbor strategy yeah, shit on everybody all the time and yeah, totally promotion and promote 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 promote. And, 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 and elevate, elevate each other. We're here in the industry itself. Are you, cause obviously it's a pretty close knit community. I don't know how many people I talk to and not much of a conversation in Alberta. Everybody knows somebody or like, do you find the industry? Is it like, obviously you guys are working with proprietary and trying to do things better from a technology perspective, but do you find is, does the industry, does the energy collaborate enough with itself to try to lift everybody up to yourself about promote your neighbor as well as cause he'll promote you kind of mindset, or is it pretty much, these are my toys and I'm not going to share kind of, kind of approach. Uh, there's a a little bit of both, but I think uh, I think the, the it, it's it's gravitating more towards collaboration. Okay. A lot of a lot of big players realize that um, that you can't you can't go it alone in these days, right? So actually, we're uh, funny enough, our largest customer is one of the major um, groups in uh, in our space. Okay, the the big big guys, not yep. the name. Yep. And we're, we're actually a competitor, but they're also our largest client because we're going to be upgrading their tools. They realize that if they go down the development path that we had, it's going to be 10 years and, and millions and millions of dollars in development where they can just integrate what we already have and work together as a partner. So, so that's a kind of a fine line where your, your competitor is now your client. And then, mm-hmm. and, and, they want, and they want some assurance also that you're not going to go and, and give this same technology to someone else down the street. Of course, uh, competitive, competitive advantage, right? If I've, if I've got the new shiny tool, I don't want my competitor to have it. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's enough room in, in this space. 
and 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 you mentioned the, the word modesty previously. I mean, I mean, this is a trillion dollar, three trillion dollar industry. You can't you can't have it all to yourself. Yep. <laughs> and and really, you don't need yeah, that at all. You, you just have your you know you can work on your box and 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 have aspirations to get a bigger box. But uh, I don't know if anyone can get, can have the whole box. Yeah, fair, yeah, fair, or, or, or whether it's healthy if they did. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Many, many movies been made about that concept of the the all the all knowing all seeing. It just it never usually works out in the end. So with the economic transformation that we're going, obviously there's been fundamental structural changes in the oil and gas industry over the last five years. Are you seeing more consolidation? Is there is it making it is it harder for the smaller companies to be out there and like is the pie got is it harder to get that sliver of the of the pie for a smaller company who's trying to innovate something? One hundred percent. So yeah, we, yeah. we back in 2014 when we saw the long. You know the long depression come back come in. We were you know anticipating a large amount of consolidation and 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 depression in in, in this industry. And I think um, that trough was long lived, like three years. I, I don't think we we saw all the consolidation that that was that is still to happen. We're still seeing okay. it, we're still seeing it today. Yeah. And um, the reality is in in this time, you know, when when nobody's working, nobody's selling anything. You're kind of at a standstill, and you still have your fixed costs and and some <laughs> yes. costs. It's a really difficult time. I mean, we it, that resounds for us as well. If it wasn't for the government programs, kind of you know, on the wage subsidy and and the payroll protection plan down in the U.S., uh, we'd be dead already. So we're now we're kind of floating at a, at a at a net zero because you know nothing's coming in, but not a lot is going out, and we're getting a lot of help. But you guys have focused and kept your innovation and your R and D. Like you've used this time to kind of fine tune things, correct? From right. understanding, exactly. So that we can we can kind of thrust out uh, stronger than we were going in. But mm-hmm. if, uh, once once all these programs taper off, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough. And and yeah. and back to your question, yeah, like the ones who, who the debt is too high, they're just they're just putting up their hands, say we're done, right. You know, they were barely surviving to begin with, and now we have six months of, of zero revenue. That's uh, that's a test of metal for sure. Yeah, it's hard when you are when you completely idle your revenue, but yet the meter keeps running on the other side, right? <laughs> Businesses don't run them, don't run for free. Any curious, because you guys are obviously in innovation, C- Calgary, what's the talent pool like? Have you, has it been like abundant talent because there's been an attrition in jobs or has there been a flight of talent from the city specifically in the kind of talent you guys need to, because this is high tech, high technology, they need to understand the space, but these are individuals that could probably go work in other sectors as well. We're, we're definitely capitalizing on, um, on on some of the you know a lot on businesses letting people go there's there's a there's a huge pool of, of talented people of individuals out there right now and and i think on whole uh canada or calgary specifically has uh, a very large number of of very talented individuals like leaders in this industry if they were if they haven't been scooped up and and kind of forced to move down to houston then they're all here there are a number of them that are looking to diversify and move out of oil and gas but yeah. I, I had to I had to convince one guy to to come back because he to stick it out to, to not become become totally disillusioned and was uh, was a great addition to our team. So uh, for the for the people for the companies that are surviving, um, there's definitely opportunities there to to increase the talent pool that you have existing for sure. 
people out there. Well, it's a very real thing. You know, how many times, how many left hooks can you get before you're like, screw this, I'm going to go work somewhere else. Like, you know what I mean? Just to be blind. Like when you've dedicated your, your whole life and your career to a certain industry and that industry keeps kind of like, you know, you, you it gets treated like a pariah and your job is constantly flux. That's a tough one to kind of, you got to have some resolve <laughs> to be blind. Well, I think, I think the answer lies in, in, in what you were, what you were mentioning, like with transitions. So it's not like we have to figure out how to use now MWD technology to go make, you know, go make cereal boxes, but we can use the same technology or a variant of this technology in another right. sector to do something similar. Right. So, so when we talk about transitioning, it's more like the word pivot. I know that's not a very popular word these days, but it's, it, we, we become very, very focused. Like we have blinders on and we're just looking forward and trying to figure out how to get the best results out of the one thing that we're doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but technology is, is such that you can, it can, it's adaptable. You can use it for other purposes. So if we just, if we just said, okay, we're not going to extract oil. We just want to map the underground environment. We can use all the sensors, everything that we have to provide data to the surface so we can actually have make really great geological maps of, of, of the underground environment. The same way that we have GIS to map the surface or how we're mapping the skies or satellites or anything else, um, that can add additional value. Who knows what's in store for us? I mean, we've only penetrated down a few miles through, the, through kind of the, the crust of the earth. Who knows what's under there? Maybe, there, maybe there's another element down there that's going to be 100 times better and stronger than, than uranium or oil or, or whatever. Interesting. So are you, do you see other industries coming into the oil and gas sector to try to learn and there's some of that cross-pollinate? We talked about earlier the world. We live in silos. We talk about all these, bring the silos down, but it's, it's very real. We're in a forced period of innovation because we have no choice for survival. Are you seeing some cross-pollination? Are you seeing other in, like mining industry, ag industry, aerospace, military? Like, Are you seeing some crossover or are we all still staying in our lanes too much? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit. I mean, I don't, I haven't um, really focused on that myself, but I, I'm always one for collaboration and, and trying to adapt uh, new ideas. Um, I, I love, like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a specialist in this area. Um, okay. I'm a business leader and, 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 and I lead specialists to, to try to get the best results out of them. So sometimes build a team of really smart people, Rick. <laughs> I'm in a room and I'm probably, I'm, most times I'm the dumbest person in the room and I'll ask dumb <laughs> questions. But what I found is, is you can, you can, change somebody's mindset and have them think a different way, even though what you're saying kind of came out dumb, it, it, it gives them some inspiration to think, Hmm, you know, I've never really looked at this, at this coin from the other side. Right. Um, there was a great, and that's challenging because you invest so much energy to be an expert on that one side of the coin. <laughs> yeah. There, there's uh, hmm, there was a great book that I read that was exactly that. And I'll, I'll remember the name before we're done. But basically, he developed he developed something. He, this guy had his kind of last dollar. He was going on a tender for this job, and he used his last dollar to build a prototype to try to win this job. And then he got to the he got to the point that he is his product was superior. He should have won this contract, but yep. you know they used the incumbent because they had used these guys for so much, you know, for his, this prolonged period of time. And and this was kind of a lock before before they had even started, and he didn't know. So he was sitting there all depressed and, and didn't know what to do and was broke and destitute and um, kind of had his head, head head in his hands. And he looked up 
and he looked at something. He was in the in LAX airport, and he was looking at um, at the little information kiosks. And and this idea appeared to him. This occurred to him that he could adapt the technology that he had created for a different purpose. For for this, he ended up making millions and millions of dollars. Like he pitched this idea to uh, LAX, and they said, "Yeah, go for it." And um, I love I, lo- I love stories like that because it shows how possible it is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, and I always try to try to think of that. Like even when when you're when you're convinced that there's no solution, there's got to be a solution. There's there got to be there has to be some way to get out of the, get out of this quandary. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story from my past. So so uh, I grew up in Calgary, and then um, after when I got married, I moved to the West Coast. And actually became a U.S. defense contractor, and we for for about ten years we were building cranes to to stack cruise missiles for the for the U.S. Navy. And um, on September twenty fifth, two thousand and one, they were coming from the Pentagon to for a big dog and pony show to approve a, a billion dollar budget to to revamp their entire ordnance handling worldwide with my crane systems. And then September eleventh hit. And um, on September and the, 20th, and the and the world wow, <laughs> September twentieth they called up and said we're done, everything's canceled. So ten years of effort, every penny that we had was 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 driven towards this project that was now dead. It was it was supposed to be a hundred million dollars of revenue, you know, over five years, and now we were dead. Mm-hmm. And and what do you do? Do you sit there and you cry and you and you just you know, lie down and, and, and cuddle up in the, in the fetal position, or do you move on? Right? <laughs> Maybe for a minute or two. <laughs> yeah. You, you adapt, you change, you transition, you use everything that you, you know, that you've learned and your skills and, and what you've developed and you, and you go do something else. Right. Otherwise I wouldn't be here talking to you today if, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The ability to pivot, yeah. the accumulation of experiences and put in a different direction. And then, and then, you know, I'm a big believer in like, like you said, collaboration or, you know, there's the moment sitting in the airport by yourself, looking up and having that inspiration. I find that happens often a lot faster when you've got someone else kind of poking at what you think, what do you, what's your, what's your version of the truth is and like, well, yeah, what about, what about, and then you leave the room going shit. Yeah. You know what? And then your mind starts going in a different direction and the energy that comes from that could be, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's where the fun stuff happens. Yeah, but usually it's amazing how it has to get dark before it gets light. <laughs> the biggest barriers to collaboration are are communication. I think one, um, and and it just I think I'm I'm strong believer in communication and, and ad- advocacy. So that can break down most of the barriers. And the other side of it is is just all the nasty qualities of, of humankind: suspicion and greed and and like if you can if you can come to terms with you know, this pie is big enough for me and you. Let's figure out a way to each have some of the pie and and stay humble. I mean, we don't have to eat the whole damn pie. Well, the abundance versus scarcity mindset kind of it changes immediately how you approach an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if we yeah. have a great product and we're and we're and the sum of of what I do and what you do is greater than than just the two halves alone, then that pie will get bigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we'll 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 attract more work and more opportunities and more collaborators. And then, and then soon, you know, when we have uh, a collection of, of different talents and, and, and technologies, uh, maybe that, that pie isn't, you know, five feet in diameter. Maybe that pie is actually 500 feet in diameter. Right. Mm. 
Well, and it's, you know, and going through this challenge, the, the, these challenging times, the last six months, like you said, like oftentimes we need to kick in the ass to change how we, how we see the world. And, you know, like that's one thing I will say as a positive from this COVID experience, I'm talking to so many businesses. They're like, we thought this was the only way we could do it. We thought this was the only way to be successful, but we've now been forced to realize that we were completely wrong. And I'm hearing like leader after a leader admitting that whether it's work from home or whether it's the way they collaborate, or it's even whether the product they sell and which markets they sell it into, like we've all been forced to look at things. You know, oil and gas was already well back on its heels, and Calgary's having already its challenges. COVID just, you know, I think pushed us over the edge in terms of you know forced innovation or forced change. Right. Well, I mean, uh, business book after business book, they all quote you know the, the, that saying that that the biggest detriment to to forward momentum is is that is that phrase. Oh, we've always done it this way. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it's also success in itself can make you a little complacent. <laughs> but we don't have, to, but we don't have to worry about that. The last five years, certainly from every, I think everyone's experienced challenges from a Western Canadian or Calgary perspective on in every industry. Oil and gas has just been, I think, burdening that that load for 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 longer. Now, COVID brought everybody into it. <laughs> um, you know what? It's interesting that that you say that, and that's that's exactly my point. Is being in the oil and gas industry and suffering for so many years, year after year, and, and just trying to survive, we we become jaded to to Calgary and and what Calgary represents because we only see it from that focus. Calgary is a really unique place. Um, I would in, 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 inspire everyone in preparation for this. I went on to the the Calgary Economic Development website, and they mm-hmm. have their um, their new report that came out for twenty twenty that the statistics in there are unbelievable and 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 kind of the plans for for calgary the diversification of calgary moving forward um we've got the best talent pool like i said we're the fifth most livable place in the world mm-hmm. um we're number we're number one in head offices the concentration of head offices in canada for major is that still is that still true i didn't know that that was still i knew that was a stat that used to float around i didn't know that was still i haven't read that report yet which number is one in canada Number two in Canada for the concentration of small businesses. Um, now, as we're putting more focus on on additional industries, I mean, we're not we're not just a leader in oil and gas. We're a leader in agriculture and and, and yes. other facets too. Um, it's it's. I was reading it, thinking I I I don't like the cold, so I'm always thinking about moving to Hawaii or something like that. Yep. <laughs> every, every every November, I think that too. <laughs> reading through the report last night, I was like, it's really true. Calgary is a really uh, exceptional place, extraordinary place to live. And um, and if we if we used our talents and our and our skill and our experience to try to you know, spread fan the flames a little bit and kind of spread that that wealth of knowledge and experience across a, a, a wider spectrum of, of industries. I think we could make uh, extraordinary developments on so many different fronts through collaboration or, or, or innovation, all of it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it was literally the motivation behind this podcast was like, there's so many good little, there's so many pockets of things going on that you don't necessarily hear about, but the negative stuff gets the headlines. And it's, you know, that doom and gloom story, you get a little bit jaded. Like you got to remember, like, this is a, this is a really awesome place to live for like, not only quality of life, but all the business reasons that you shared. And, yeah. But you get into your own world and you get your head down and ass up and you deal with the challenges every day. It's, it's, it's always easy to think the grass is greener, right? Somewhere else. But I just, I don't think that's actually true. <laughs> we, we, you know, there's a lot of 
a lot of effort is spent bashing the millennials and, and kind of what's going on and, 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 and we're doomed the future's going down. Uh, the onus is on us again, to, to educate, to, 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 to push our data and our knowledge down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spend so much, we spend so much time focused on what we're doing. We don't see what's happening. So, so that during this COVID, my young boy, he's 12, just finished grade six. Uh, he was really struggling in math and I spent a lot of time with him at home. And we actually probably went through two years of math curriculum, like grade six and seven in a couple of months. And I can't wait to see how he's going to be when he starts up again in the fall, because um, they're just, things have changed. And, and, and I think the yep. way that we, that we educate and, and, and cultivate uh, the younger generation and talent has, has changed. And it's, it's in some cases not for the better, but we can fix that if, if, if uh, the leaders and, and more experienced of the tribe kind of spend some of their time giving back. I think I, li- I liked, I liked that you threw the word tribe in. That's an interesting concept, the whole tribe vibe and some of that gets floated around. And yeah, we, we, uh, we do live in a global village these days for sure. Yeah. But it also takes a village to raise a child. All those kind of cliches, they're all true. <laughs> I think I think we can we can fix a lot of those those perceived problems. Yes, with with it with yes, but with a different mindset that got us there in the first place. You know what I mean? And that's why I think COVID's done a good job. It forces you to look at everything a little bit different and stop like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, yeah, but that's done. Like that's we can put a bullet in that. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been that bad. Spending more time with your family and 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 focusing on what's important in life. A lot of people are you know been working on their homes and and kind of getting to projects that have been put off for a lot of time. And, and spending time with their kids and, and their spouses, I think it's done uh, wonderful things to for the family, for the family unit. Yeah, I agree. A friend of mine wrote, uh, he actually used to be the COO over at, over at CEPA. So I, we used to do some work with them, Canadian Energy Pipeline Association. And so I know him really well and also very industry related. He, he wrote an article, like a one pager, kind of, you know, who stole my treadmill? But it was kind of on the, like, now that you've gotten off this treadmill and realize all the things that you weren't focusing on, before you get back on, think twice. It was a good little kind of one pager that just really summed it up. And, you know, that day to day grind. And we've all got off the treadmill over the last four months. And there's been a, there's been some negatives, but there's been a lot of positives. So I absolutely agree with that. But not 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 to waste a good crisis is another one of those catchphrases that I've been that's been thrown around for a while. Well, Rick, hey, uh, we we covered a lot. We got some fill, we got some oil and gas. We got into some uh, some geospatial telemetry, and then we also got some philosophy in on what's going on in our world. So I appreciate the appreciate the journey of the conversation. What's the best way for someone to find you if they're curious about Vertex or they want to get a hold of you directly? What's the best way to reach out? Uh, you can you can find us through a website uh, vertexdownhole.com. We're quite uh, prolific on, on LinkedIn, and hopefully, with your help, Tyler, we'll have uh, we'll have yep. a new website, a new marketing strategy. Uh, absolutely, thank thank you for that plug, Rick. Uh, <laughs> We're on it. But you guys can just Rick R I C K dot Filipovic F I L I P O V I C at gmail dot com or R Filipovic at vertex downhill dot com. Uh, Perfect. Well, on LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, get a hold of me. Let's chat. Let's uh, grab a beer. Grab a coffee. Talk about opportunities, collaborations. I think there's uh, there's a lot of things that can be done in Calgary to 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 make it even better. I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, on the federal front front, like for for the country, where yes, where we can promote. Um, I don't want to say Alberta's interests, Canadian interests. We need to promote Canadian interests, and we need to stop being um, against everyone and start to figure out how to make this work. Um, 
I, I, yes, we're, we're, we're Canadian first. And I'm, I'm proud to, to bring that, to fly that flag for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I agree with, with all the things we're pissed off about. <laughs> with, all, with all the coalition guys and, and the Wexit guys, I agree on all fronts, but I don't think joining the U.S. or trying to be an island is the right solution. Yes, I you know I agree. That's a, growing up in Quebec and growing up through referendums and, and all that rhetoric. Like, uh, there's nothing that will stall out forward progress like like that conversation in my mind. But but um, w- better representation and, and better communication. Get out there. Get out and 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 tell people why Calgary and Alberta is great. Tell them why what we do is great, and tell them that we shouldn't be giving away all of our natural resources and buying everyone else's finished products. <laughs> no, that model just doesn't make it. You put it down in that simple terms. It just doesn't make any economical sense. <laughs> Take care of our own. Let's, let's, yes. let's make this the, the prosperous place that it should be. Yes. And that it's been for so many years. Absolutely. Rick, I appreciate the time today. I appreciate the conversation and uh, always enjoy our chats. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.